G'day and welcome back to Talking Leadership. Today's podcast is going to focus on leadership futures. Now, there's no way known that in one podcast you can record and discuss all of the issues relating to the future of leadership and the issues that that raises. This podcast in particular was designed to look at some of the challenges and some of that context and scene setting. And in that regard, I reached out to Kevin Bennett, who is part of the Best Practice Network and is the Queensland and New South Wales. Wales Regional Facilitator of the network and Bernie Kelly who is an advisor facilitator and the current chair of the Australian Transformation and Turnaround Association. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Over to Bernie. I think we, we are in an interesting sort of phase with, you know, just the world of communications ramping up in the world of, you know, out of that seven or eight billion of us that there is actually a lot more engaged, we're able to be empowered and that, you know, the leadership of that, how do we actually spread the lead, you know, that so a lot of old leadership models are moving just in the way that communication is moving. So you're sort of keeping up with that. And then also when you think about the, the challenges we've got, you know, the health of the planet, the health and potential of all the social relationships that we have, uh, you know, globally and organisations and, and actually releasing a lot of untapped power in that. And then just our own human health. I think there's just so many of those sort of challenges to be working on uh, in, in the thing. So actually fr- you're getting that sort of framing, I think, is quite key when you start to look at the, you know, where, where the, the frame of the topic that we're chatting about. Yeah, and I, I can see why you've drawn those things things in the the topic of the day is human health because of COVID, planet health through impacts of climate change and what does the next trench of sustainability look like and what, what what's the world going to do in that regard? And then um, how do you frame what happens when we get to the other side of uh, things like the pandemic? So I, I get that. You know, when we're dealing with humans, like there's always the, the risk and negative side below the line, sort of scratching the risk and negative side, but there always is also the, the upward potential above the line, um, aspirational, you know, full potential people thing. And I think you know, just picking up what you were saying there, the, the below the line, a lot of those topics are you know, immediate COVID, immediate climate crisis, immediate sort of tensions in the way we run organisations. They're all below the line. I think they, they are part of what's addressed, but there's so much upward potential on the positive side of all of that as well, which I think, um, you know, we need to have both those frames from a, from a positive leadership perspective. Kevin, what are you seeing, Matt? Oh, I think it's it's an interesting, whether you call it um, an inflection point or an opportunity. I think definitely the last the last 12, 18 months, there's been a whole rethink, refocus, reset, which is quite a common message that, that we're hearing. And I think there's, as leaders, and I think especially when people are looking to leaders now, some messages or some key themes and feel on what Bernie just said, you know, there's there's a lot more around accountability. People are really looking for the leaders to step up now and, and be a really accountable for, for the directions and their decisions. The integrity, I think, is coming up a lot as well. And I've seen it a lot about, you know, how are you coming across, you know, how, how, you're, how are you being consistent in your messaging? And are, are you really thinking about the, the, the bigger picture? The, the agility, which Bernie mentioned, like planet health and, and human health. There's a, another terminology that come around, which is all about reliability, which is about how, you know, how... How reliable is are we going to be in, in taking us forward in, in this journey in terms of doing the right things from a from our team's health, from our from the health of our planet? And I think the top and bottom is again, it's an interesting one that you could almost invert it now to say, I know we talked about there's a lot going about the iceberg. I think now our iceberg is almost flipped. It's almost we're dealing with what we see. We as leaders now have really got to look below that waterline and go, what's driving this now? 
how do I stay connected with everything that, that's going on? And we talk about time horizons, you know, the, the one month, one year, 10 years. But, you know, I think there's a, there's a whole new horizon coming along in terms of local view and context to the, my regional to a global. Our context is being in spread out there. Challenges happening there is how do you now deal with that? Because that's just because we're more connected, you know, we're more visual, we're more aware. You've got emerging leaders and youth coming through who want to know where you are on all of these things. And I think that's the melting pot we're in. So it's a great topic to talk about now to go, you know, if we think of the role of the leader manager as it was five, 10 years ago, which is very distinct, got a plan, deliver plan, project manager in and just knock people and bring them into line. We've now got to get heads around about what that really means. There's such a first things first, which is we love, we love to talk about leading others, right? But there's, in what you just said there, I reckon the, the first things first challenge is actually self-leadership. Am I even aware? Am I even aware of all of those different perspectives that you scoped up? And the reality is that most of us, if we haven't worked on it, you know, we've got blind spots all over the place and I think that actually you know there's a lot of inner work to even be having even to be having these sort of conversations you know that's why I, I love to come along to these sort of things Eric because you know keep chatting with people like you you know you and Kevin and we just keep expanding and sort of finding new little angles that you go hmm, I haven't really thought about that before and I think that actually is a part of the you know it's probably the first things first um, in, in leader, leader development at the moment are they are we actually expanding our perspectives and scratching around sort of you know seeing what we don't know. Yeah, appreciate the feedback, Bernie. One thing that leaps out of the the scene setting you and Kevin have come up with, and I, I find myself, I, I can't disagree. I mean, there's nuances to how you set a scene and everyone's going to have an opinion on what that looks like. But one question that keeps coming up in my own mind, and this this is, uh, I'm, I'm a curious fellow at, at most times. So my question is, or the, the theme that I've got in my head, and I don't know how to answer it because I don't know if it's been explored to the degree that I think it should be. And that's a subjective view, obviously, is what are the lead, what are our staff, what are our people want from future leaders that I don't think collectively we know very much about what our staff want from their leaders. And that's got to shape in some way or, or form what the future of leadership looks like in industry sectors. And I think some people pick up on that very quickly. But that, that, that is part, that's part of the definition of self-awareness, right? right. So self-awareness is awareness of myself, but also awareness of what others think about myself. Mm. So that actually is a part of, it's a part of the definition of self-awareness that you actually, you know, really knowing, knowing me, knowing what, how others see me, that actually is a key part of leader self-awareness. So what, and the other, other element of that is what others want from me, because, um, you know, am I aware of that? I mean, I don't dispute that at the individual level, and I get that that's part of that introspective introspection skill set that we need. I'm more talking about at a at an industry level. What are people in our industry that are the lead saying about what they want to see in their leaders? What mechanisms do we have to grapple with that at an industry level? I don't think that is there as much as it should be. At least that's my view of it, Kevin. Well, I I. From based on experience, I think we do know how to do it. We've just not done it or just not realized. So if you look at good businesses, good managers, you know, and we go around business strategy and, and doing P&Ls and, and doing customer surveys, we've got all those skills, you know, the very well over the locked in typical business skills. So we know how to find how something is forming. We know how to go and get insights. But picking up from what Bernie said, it's almost an outward thinking. It's almost about I go outward. It's not about it's not about me in about where I'm going. And I think it's part of opening up the box. So, you know, I relate just drawing it now, just go back to the old Jahari window where where you're sitting there and it's, it's going, you know, this is where I'm sitting, but what do I know that you don't know? 
And what do you know that I don't know? So until we start to open that up, and then the, the third, you know, the box then says, oh, that's interesting, because there's actually a whole bunch of stuff we're just not aligned on, or we, we just didn't know. So we've got to start to have those discussions. But I think we're back to the role of the lead. It's how you ask that. You just don't go and say, tell me, you know, or, you know, you just don't force people to say, write down what you want from me. Or what I heard someone say the other day with a boss had gone and said, I need you, I need you to tell me now everything you don't like about me. And you go, that's just, you know, so this whole emotional intelligence and and then wonders why, you know, they get the feedback and it comes across, look, no one, no one hates me because no one will tell me what they don't like about me. So I think that there's this whole emotional and then self-awareness, this emotional intelligence. But once you do that, I think we do have the skills. We've just got to change the way we think about them and the way we use them and start to go. So we've got our business, you know, we, we all talk about the why, you know, the, the circles and everything else, then it's all there. It's the way as leaders now interpret those and become aware of those and then use them to then go and have the right discussions with the right people and the right at the right time that assumes a a level of willingness on the part of leaders to get that introspective and i'm not for a second suggesting that it is good practice to go to someone with a tick and flick sheet and say tell me tell me what's bad about me no one in their right mind is going to do that with their boss present or to their faces it's not a way to engage and that's not what i meant i think it's one thing to say we've got the tools and the processes and the people and if i've learned anything from my dealings with the network work uh kevin and and talking to you last time bernie that we've got any amount of tools and processes there that we can use it's maybe the more the more effective leaders into the future the ones that can get into that introspective space and get to that toolbox and go need to find a way to do it that's not going to put people off because if if covid has taught me anything is that that now that we've got more mobile workforces and employees are asking for different things out of their jobs that it took a pandemic to force some discussions around the world of work and how people People interact. Like from an action-oriented point of view, though, Eric, it is worth calling out that we're in a phase which is a transitionary phase. It's a state of flux. So given the given how fuzzy that period is, now is the time that if this was if this used to be lower on your priority list, you know, it has to be right up the top of your priority list. Getting out with your radars out there, sort of listening, talking, feedback here, feedback with customers, feedback with different employees, because at the moment. There isn't, there's a lot of areas that are not solid answers. There's a lot of areas that are not solid. So therefore, you know, it really, if, if you were thinking about your leadership priorities per quarter, at the moment, putting, reflecting and absorbing sort of things that are going on about the place and sort of, you know, trying to sort of soak up sort of signals is, is has to be really high on your, on your uh, to-do list. No, I, I, th- I think you're right. And I, I, the more I think about this, the more that we talk about this is, you can really start to see some of the some of the people around the network and main our network and obviously the art, you know, we're talking with Bernie and on the on the you can start to pick out the real good leaders who are beginning to see and hear things. Yep. You can because you've seen their language, you know, they're they're beginning to see things as opportunities. They're you can see there's insights around who they're talking to, how they're talking with them. And, and it's almost becoming a this is where we are. So I think. Again, this is where we, we need to change the way we think. It's easy to do. We were talking to someone about, you know, like a normal SWOT analysis, you know, the strength, weakness, opportunity, threats. As soon as you put it in a box, it just closes your thinking, you know, in terms of, well, in actually, this is about, this is just what's happening. You know, it's, and you've got to take that on board as a, okay, now I know it. What is it telling me? 
what you know is it opening the box so i fully understand it and I, i've got to be agile enough to go do you know what i'm okay with that one now it's it's something i can deal with that one has just got me there's nothing else i can do but which are the ones that i'm dealing with now or which are the emerging ones which i think that is i know bernie you do talk a lot about that it's very easy about the now but we have to be what's looking out the front and what's coming our way that, that really could impact us we all look a lot smarter if we um if we're reacting to something that's a little bit further ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Got more time to look smart. Yeah, no, exactly right. So I think, you know, I think what we're saying here is is about with the way we now have to view our business isn't just the business. It's not just sitting here, you know, in, in your town. It's about what's happening what's happening now and there's always got to be a little bit of what's past you know that you've got you learn from that at the end of the day but a little bit like the 80 20 rule you've got to flip it you can't learn everything from the past because you're looking backwards not looking forward so there's this and someone gave me the analogy again the other day and they were using the archery analogy you know in terms of you look at the top archers that there is this when they set themselves they know what they've got to do but at certain points, once they're set, all of their time is just looking forward. They've learned what they need to do. Now they've got to look forward because it's temperature, it's wind, it's all those type of things. And it's about you learn, but then you've got to start to say, right, I know I know. How can I use it to, to deliver what I'm, I'm going to deliver? And I think the way leadership is going is it, we've got to be we've got to be open enough and we've got to be using, and I think it's something we discussed before, we've got to be using everyone across the business. You know, I was talking with a, a, a couple of people the other day about you've got people on the front line who are talking to customers every day. What's the mechanism to say and how was the calls today? You know, what's what what do you what was a real positive? What was a real something we can deal with but what was an insight that you got from them and he, he he said we've never thought about that and now they've started to do it they're just checking with their teams and go is there anything you, you feel we need to share and he's amazed how many of his team are now saying do you know i had a great call and they mentioned something it was a, just and it could be a flippant remark you know just about oh i'd wish you did this or i had a problem with this and he's now realizing there's all these opportunities so i think you know as we said a little bit earlier eric is about there is the traditional model of a few do the strategy, a few make the big decisions. That could still be the case, but where's all those inputs coming from? I think is the big is is where we need to really challenge us. In, in this sort of time of flux that we were sort of framing a moment ago, that the feedback loops want to be really super super quick. You can't you can't be dealing with a you know three year a three year sort of uh, idea through the feedback loop cycle. You need to be sort of having all these sort of different sort of shorter lead time yep. feedback loops going on as well. So. so I think they are change of practice, to be honest, for a lot of leaders. There is actually, there's some change of practice in just how do we uh, get more signals? How do we get shorter lead time signals? How do we actually open our direction setting to, you know, as Kevin sort of said, areas where we previously would not have looked for signals and now we have to, now have to put that onto our angle that we, you know, we look at it. No, I think you're right. I think he came up with Raquel Hajimani when we had him, him on talking the time about what was the, you know, what was the additional business KPIs almost out the window now in terms of a lot of them now are just that pure lag, you know, in terms of the, in terms of the way that we run is we need to look at what are the key levers, what are the key drivers, you know, and they're almost, you've got to be saying, are we getting insights from our customers and suppliers? And if so, what are they? So if you're not getting insights, that almost becomes a lead indicator that we're not keeping aware or we're not keeping up to date of, of, of what's happening. Now, that's a yep. big challenge because that's not your hard number, my red or my green or my everything else, but it's part of that awareness that the leaders need to have on. And I think I made the heresy of um, 
you know, the balanced scorecard may be not the way forward anymore. You know, there's it's a great principle, but what does the new scorecard look like? And what are the this 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 is, this is so the, the metric conversation is another really important leadership conversation, right? In this period of flux, I, I think there are actually a lot of us, uh, a lot of leaders I'm talking to at the moment are struggling on and let's get to Christmas and take a take a you know bit of a lie down with a few family and friends right but after that they're going to come back and there's going to be a very live conversation early next year about the metric black hole what I mean by that is that actually that you know um, that we will be sort of be stuck with what do the measures we're measuring at the moment actually have meaning and and that and the metric black hole is that the, is how um, things that we want to be able to measure are not that easy to measure so actually trying to get measures on the things that are really going to matter in this state of flux and beyond this state of flux is going to be a, a challenge because we haven't got ready ready measurement of a lot of things that are becoming more meaningful. You both mentioned, and this, this is interesting from uh, um, when you talk about what is your leadership toolkit and you both mentioned information and it, it sort of st- sparked in my head, head and I bring this from the IT world because I've heard this quite a lot is, you know, big data and information sources and what are we doing to capitalize on information that we might be collecting that we're not using for any other purpose. And I, I would assume and again, this is an assumption that if you're collecting data in your business, you're doing it for some output or for some reason. And a lot of organizations do collect good information. And you could go to a lot of expense and a lot of time with your frontline people collecting uh, customer feedback, feedback of all different kinds. And over time, that builds quite a significant data set that you could mine to do things. But to get back to what Bernie was saying, you're not going to get quick outcomes from collecting big data. I think finding ways, and, and this is is the, again, this has come. This is, comes to the science and art form that is leadership. How do you get quick feedback loops that are that allow you to help maybe potentially make decisions or to work in this new world that you know are, are reliable? Because quick data sources doesn't mean quality data and th- this is always a tension between collecting good say for example qualitative data over time that you can mine and really see some trends in versus something quick and snappy to help it's always been there but it's actually it's becoming a bit of a different shape the exec to whole exec team being numerate not only just not only knowing how to do a pnl but numerate in in this sort of data world is part of it and it's interesting just sort of starting to frame how the what the hierarchy is i mean data is like billions and billions of data points going on at the global but, but sort of above data is information and above information is knowledge and above knowledge is wisdom and actually getting exec teams to be sort of structured around that and actually having sort of uh, the frame around that what's going on in our numerate world is actually this is going to be a critical this is going to be a make or break skill and i think that actually if you think about this decade if you're actually in an exec team and old school numerate not sort of um, not numerate to where the world's going. You, the gap's going to grow more and more on you, and I think that, that you're not going to see you're not going to see things. You're not going to see risks. You're not going to see opportunities, and you're going to wonder why you're being left behind. And and that that actually is um, we're at a tipping point for that. That's already been happening for a period of time, but this decade is the is the tipping point of that. Where at the end of this decade, that will be a yeah, just an absolute clear fact. Where at the moment we're in that sort of transition phase information has its uses but it needs to be turned into something that is usable and i think that process of transforming data whatever that data looks like whether it's numbers or uh, experiences that people are collecting that there has to be ways to analyze and draw out what it is that you want the analogy you brought up kevin and it's an interesting one being ready and being uh, in archery and having your target in front of you with the world the way that it's moving it's not just one target now there could be 50 of them out there and you've got to have the skill sets to go of all the realizable 
possible futures that I've got or potential targets, which is the one that I'm going to aim for that, that will maximize whatever it is I need to maximize as a return. And that's that's where I think the, the nuance of this is. And, and more to that point, I think it changes industry sector to industry sector. What is important to me in agriculture may not be important as uh, a leadership future or leadership skills in my industry will differ in some others. I, I don't think the fundamentals I, change. I, I, I'm going to challenge that one, Eric. Okay, I, yep, I reckon, please. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon that actually uh, we've been through a period in the mechanistic engineering sort of uh, ment- mental model of breaking things into little blocks. Probably this period is probably about 150 years old at max maybe 70, 80 years old, right? Where it was actually, we, it was useful for us breaking things into micro departments and micro specialties and sort of, you know, breaking things into real sort of little blocks, lots of little blocks. And everyone was experts in little blocks where you can see the way the world is getting with the, the rising complexity and the rising interconnectedness of the world that we already live in. We're moving past that phase. That The utility of that is not always, it's just not as useful. So looking forward, you can see, we're actually going to need more more recognition of that interconnectedness, the more sort of how things come together. And that's why I, I've sort of been thinking that actually, like, if you're actually in agriculture and not understanding consumers, not understanding energy, not understanding environment, you're missing out. You know, I think that all of us in all of our little specialties have got to expand, level up a notch or two to a different viewpoint so that we can see more interconnected pieces. And that, that actually, if you're going to call out a, a key leadership thing in this transformative time, that is it. That's one of the ones is actually leveling up out of your little functional or little specialty view to a more expanded view. Can't say whether I agree or disagree vehemently with that because you got me. I need to be, I'm a, like I said, I'm a curious fellow, but I need to think about what's just been thrown at me. And I, I find myself not disagreeing. What you're talking about is a stepwise change up and that yes. there's difficulties with that. There's a language that goes with that. And then this is the unfortunate thing about human beings, what they are. Some people want the business case to change. And if we're not driven to think differently by now, then we're never going to think differently. And I am a firm believer that you're going to have leadership that's effective at different levels because not everyone is going to transform and step up in the way that you're talking about. I would view what you just said as maybe the nirvana of changing leadership thinking, but you've got to have people willing to change. You've got to have potentially a mindset that says, yeah, maybe we haven't done things right in the past. We've got to do something different. There has to be a willingness to change. I think that's one of the ingredients yeah, so, so, of this. So I think, Eric, a part of this conversation is is about most of us, if you've got a hundred people, you know, and you're, I know we were just having a stats conversation earlier on, the, the big percentage of us do look in the rear vision mirror and the big percentage of us do look at lag indicators, right? What, what things that have already happened, right? And, and, that, and that actually means that, that we are we're responding to the lag indicators, but we're actually heading into a period where with, with all the exponential trends that are going on, that those lag indicators are going to be very ugly, right? And it's once those lag indicators are going very ugly that all of a sudden the sudden shifts happen. And it's been interesting to me. I've got a I've got a visual which I'll share with you, which was fascinating. But so after about the 2016, 2017, some of those big sort of environment conversations, it was the banks all sort of said that they would move their money. You know, they would sort of change you know uh, investment sort of criteria in different sort of sectors significantly. But it didn't change at all. And if you had actually had this conversation in 2018, you would have said, well, the banks aren't changing. 2019, the banks aren't changing. 2020, the banks have just started to do a little bit. And then this, this, there's a really good graphic I got where it actually shows how it looked like nothing, nothing, nothing. In 2021, early, late 2020, 2020, early 2021, nearly like the amount of money that shifted out of investing in fossil fuels from the big banks globally into green 
looked like it just happened. And, and so if you'd been speaking to industry leaders who were looking at lag indicators only a year before, they would have been going, look, it's not happening. Banks aren't doing it yet. Mm-hmm. Now, those same leaders are wondering how they're going to get, get in, you know, who are they going to get funded by because it's not being funded by the top banks anymore. They happen quicker than um, we normally feel when we're in the middle of the transition phase. I think you're right. And I think there's there's some interesting points we're pulling out. And I, I want to just pick up on a couple of things, maybe help with the, with the framing. So Bernie, you were going with the data, information, knowledge, and I I suddenly wrote down and you went wisdom. Wisdom so, on top. Yeah, well, the, 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 um, the word I had was insight. That's what I've heard before. Just a slight twist about maybe the one, the same thing, but you know, what's the insight I'm getting that I can now deal with that? It's about making sure you take something from it that you're then going to use because it's hindsight's a wonderful thing. It's almost like the self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, I knew that was going to happen. Oh, look, the KPIs told me it's going to happen. Therefore, it's just going to, it's just going to keep happening. So I think it, it, so it's that same thing, that data, the information to knowledge, insights, wisdom. I think until you get to that fourth one, it's really no good to anybody. I just, and we've got to deal with it. I, I think what drives that for me as well, and I think you picked up on it, is you were able to get away with it before because the pace of change was far slower. So I didn't have to react tomorrow. Sometimes I didn't have to react for another year because it was just the whole pace of change. And that whole ability to, to be, ad- it went back to this agile word again, the agility, the, the, the ability to adapt is now becoming bigger and bigger. But I think that also fits in. So when you then look at the data, and I'll go back to, I still think, I think we know how to do this. I'm going back to the process control days. And when you think about the level of detail with sensors and instant live recording and information that's in there, you start to speak to people in that. So like, I want to know now, why do you need to know now? Because I clearly know if I know that it's going to go wrong, I've got to do something now. What we've got to be saying, so where else do you need to be knowing that? So it's outside of this context again. So Where's your sensor in your live feedback loop from a customer perspective? Where is it from an environmental perspective? And I think that's where some of the gap is coming from. I do agree with you, Eric, though, but I think, and again, it's come up a couple of times, we've got to get clearer about what level this information and data and insights is going to go to and then who's going to use them because otherwise it all gets pushed up to the top again for this data overload that just blows every, everybody out the water. So there's a lot of good work that people are doing within businesses around processes and around numbers that I that we when you go and challenge them, they can tell you exactly why they want to do it. And if they don't do it, they can almost tell you what's going to happen. And it's very, it's in a block. It's in a small business block. The, the, the future leader has got to open up that block and say, I, I always need the same coming from my customers, from my suppliers. What's happening in, out in the marketplace? What, what? And I think that's the challenge without going, but then I've got to do it all. It's, it's interesting that phrase, you know, about the future's already here. It's just unevenly distributed. And I think that in some ways that data thing is already there. So if you look at what, like the data that an Amazon, Amazon or a Netflix would already extract and use compared to less sophisticated players, you can already see that there's this big gap sort of opening up in, in just, you know, clever insights out of the top of all their data. That gap is, is widening. And, the, and also the people at the bottom end of that gap, you know, that they're actually, they're on a path, which is how long to extinction. And I know this is probably a bit, bit pushier than, 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 you know, Eric was sort of alluding to before, but that, that tra- the downward trajectory isn't a, oh, I'll just keep on this path thing. It really should be re-measured as how long do I think I can continue this activity until this activity is extinct? And that actually um, really reframes with a different urgency that the, 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 the you know, do nothing 
path. Yeah, I think and then, and I think there's a word that's come out, the reliability. So, you know, we talk about reliability of process of plant and equipment. It's about the how long can I leave things for before I know this yeah. is an issue or there's going to be a problem. And I think it's, it's, it's a real interest in terms of, and it is about, we have to be adapt and agile for our sectors and different businesses and different time periods. We can't then use that as the blinkers to say, well, I only deal with today or I only deal with, with, with this particular market because you've got to have your ears, eyes and visuals open. The good thing is there's so much data and information out there. You just got to tap into it, but you've almost got to know what you want and why you need it, but also have the openness to say, well, I don't think it's important now, but you, you don't know what you don't know in, in terms of time. Yep. So sometimes you've got to, open it up and go do you know what i'm gonna go and meet that group of people or i'm gonna go and listen to a podcast or i'm gonna go and see a network event and i have to be open enough to properly listen i've got to listen to what people are saying and there's a reason why someone is saying have you thought about this or i'm struggling with this and then bringing it back into into your own concept so that's why i think there's a lot of great lessons learned so I, I don't think there's you know, I don't think we've really missed anything that we've done over the years. I think it's all been good business practice. It's the way we now use it and see it is that is that inflection point. And it's challenging us because we can't put it in a box burn, as you said. We can't put it in this simple, can I measure it? Can I, you know, fit it into a little box? Can I fit it into a, a normal scorecard? We, we've, we've got to work out what is, what is it really saying and how do I reflect that back into my own workplace? There is a level of assumption around do we have leaders that have the capabilities to engage in the conversations that need to be engaged with? I think it's a massive assumption to make. I'm not saying none of this is to be able to be more adaptive, more agile and understand the new ways of thinking requires a decision to do that. Like leadership, I'm very much convinced that you make a decision to be a leader or not to be a leader. And as simple as that is to say, I think is there is an element in how leaders interact with the world that you make a decision to improve your practice or not. And I think part of what I'm hearing from both of you is practice as leaders needs to be ever evolving. Uh, there's this idea of lifelong learning, which we've covered in other podcasts. You need to have an ongoing learning mindset, yes. whether it's uni, whether it's on the job, whether it's a combination of setting up networks like best practice network, thinking out loud here that there are differences across industry sectors. I'm not saying there's a legitimacy for moving in boxes or being siloed and you're thinking industries are different. Why did you assume that the boxes Kevin was talking about was industries? Kevin was talking about mental boxes in my mind, right? Right. Yes. I, was, I was thinking something different. Yes. And so, so Bernie, you, you bring up, and this is what I was going to ask you as the next topic area is the language we use around this, because I'm, I was assuming something different when Kevin said what he said, and I'm happy to be challenged on my thinking on this, but that's where my head went to. And maybe this is the whole point of having these conversations is that how do you get that hard wiring out of your head to rethink and reorient how you're looking at this? I won't ever say that I can't be proven wrong because I've been proven wrong on more than one occasion. I'm just, what what I found today is that there's a language here. And again, but um, making assumptions that we all are talking the same language when it comes to leadership, I think is a dangerous assumption yeah, yeah, to make. Right. You know, I don't think your work would exist, Bernie, if we had, if we were optimally set to face these challenges, because if we're not, obviously people that work in the space that you work in and Kevin, what you're doing with the network, people want to learn and get better at the craft. And that's a takeaway for me is that we've got to keep this as an ongoing set of discussions. And look, someone may be listening to this going, no, don't agree with any of that. That's fine. I think what 
is less fine is if you don't agree with it and you don't tell me why you don't agree, we can't have a fruitful discussion because the, the it's not for me it's not a debate, it's a discussion. And yeah. I think if we can be open enough and this when it comes back to and, and this was mentioned in previous podcasts with Kevin, is the more introspective you are, the more ability you'll be able to take some of that in and go, okay, well I've done some shit wrong. I need to change it. Let's just get in and change it. The big thing where I think we're all sort of touching on is that there is such a massive upside, such a massive positive by being an open learner and it, it is it, it really fascinates me just the difference between like if as an open learner i actually you can still miss the mark but you keep learning right and that actually is a key part of this business conversation and it, it something that's sort of been top of mind i've been sort of sharing with a few people i've been working with at the moment you know that phrase um business is having their kodak moment and how much that comes from the fixed mindset where kodak were this massively strong company and then fell over right collapsed and and the way it can be talked about in a certain non-learner's mindset framing is that, you know, here was this company, they just didn't sort of realize something and then they, they you know, they were disrupted. Where the reality is, there are some good articles, which I'd be happy to share with you about as well, is actually that really that, that it was never a Kodak moment, it was a Kodak decade. In that last decade, there was conversations that their leaders weren't learning, but there was a whole, there was a couple of decades, as you know, sort of 30 years before their collapse, they were the inventors of the digital, you know, early creators of the digital camera. But in that last decade before the collapse of Kodak, there was many, many opportunities where there was opportunities to be learning and changing. And they they didn't take those for that 10 years. And so it was really that that Kodak moment was really a Kodak decade. And I think that that actually, for me, that's actually the reason why I'm calling that out here is I think that actually as we head into this new decade, you can feel like you're behind. And you can sort of go, oh, my God, you know, there's a lot of things going on. But the learners will actually somehow navigate through, right? They're going to navigate through where the, the non-learners are going to go, oh, my God, um, you know, we're the 2020 version of Kodak. Yeah, and I've, can I just, I've just written a couple of things down and it's just reminding me, but I think language is so important. And I, and I keep thinking, you know, we've run this a couple of times now where, and we've all mentioned it, we've all talked about learning, all right? We've all talked yep. about learning and positive and, and but... I, we still hear the language, you know, fail fast, learn, you know, and, you know, I think we've got to change the language. It's about, it is about learning what works and what does not work. And therefore, what can I do differently? If we've still got that negative, but if I get it wrong, I'm going to be seen to fail, then that doesn't help the way, the way that people are thinking. So it is about the learning. Now, I'd rather be learning on something that's out there that I can impact than learning on than, than on stuff that's already gone wrong. So yeah, yeah. Yesterday's, that, yesterday's yeah. mistake. <laughs> Otherwise, it just, you know, because we're under time pressure to make it. But I, I think there's also the mindset. We keep coming back to this mindset here is about, you know, when we talk about Kodak or everything else, and I've heard it, I've, I may have mentioned it a couple of times, there's always that we've got to take time out and go, well, but what if? So what if we didn't have to have this? Or so someone would go, I'm thinking of doing this and getting that forward mindset. And I just seen a couple of things come up, which have been shared to me on LinkedIn. I think it is and a couple of others where have you seen some of these images from like cartoons that were drawn 30, 40 years ago? And they've got people sitting, having a cup of coffee on the or tea on the side. But they're looking into these little devices with people like little videos and I can, can you just imagine what people would have been thinking 30, that'll never happen. That I just, no, that's so unrealistic. I mean, I, I've written down, you know, some of the stuff, and I know there's some, you've seen some of that, you know, stuff that's come out of Star Trek, even the Simpsons. Yeah. And, and you go, someone must have been sitting there going, but what if? So what if we could travel at this? 
what if I did have a little buzzer on the chest that I just tapped and I could talk? You know, what happens if we, if we had X around? And I think this is that sort of emerging mindset to go, okay, the what if may still mean to us we don't do anything because the what if, but at least it's got me into that, that thinking mode and it's got me to go, I've got to consider this. So what if I am impacted and I can't get the, I can't, my supply chain lets me down. How many supply chains, if you've gone and did a supply chain survey two, three years ago, how reliable is your supply chain? How robust is your supply chain? Do you have good quality supplies? There's a lot of people that have gone tick, tick, tick. I'm okay. Did we actually ask, but what if that supply chain broke? What would I do? What if my people could not get into work? You know, what, what, what if? So I think we're, we're back to this leadership thing is really about opening up those conversations. So the language is important, opening up the, the foresight and having a look. But again, I'm going back to that, whether you're talking insights or wisdom, Bernie, it's, it's we've got to use that, turn it into knowledge, which then gives us something. We can still look at it and go, do you know what? I'm still on the right path, but at least I've considered it. And then how we get that through the business. The, the interesting point there, Kevin, can't disagree with any of that. I, I guess for me is there's a difference between a possible future and a realizable future. They're, I think they're two, they're two different things in my mind that you can have any amount of planning, any amount of sitting down and thinking about, well, there could be a hundred possible futures, but which are the ones that are realizable? And that that's how I look at that. I mean, how you tease out what is best and optimal for you, I don't know. And that, that comes down to how you make, what is your process for decision? making you know, my experience in that eric sort of leading teams through that process many many times is that actually what i think is realizable early in this sort of work is very small right and then you do more of this work and you build up a bit more momentum and you have a regroup with your leadership team and what you think is right realizable is a bit bigger and then you do a bit more learning a bit more work so so i, I think that it's not a healthy uh, useful message to teams to and leaders to sort of lock in what I think today is realizable is all that is realizable because the the experience is that actually if you get into this work, start learning, start networking with more people with different ideas, start actually you know practicing things, that what is realizable becomes a bigger, bigger, bigger um, sort of scale. What I'm saying is I'm not for a minute suggesting that once you've identified, let's say there were three realizable futures that there's still not work to determine which of those three is actually doable. Like what you're talking about is that next level of analysis. I'm not saying that that's not important. I'm trying to be as macro as I can. And I think every day people are having to make those decisions about what resources can we allocate to something to get to the next level. And, and you're always uh, in some ways constricted by what you can actually do because you don't have unlimited resources. If, if we did, wouldn't be having the debate because you could do much of anything you want and there would be a consequence for doing it because we I, I don't think we can get away from we we have scarce resources to do certain things and we can't do everything we want want to do it's not i don't think that's possible we've got to get it's not us that has to do it either so it's not us as a leadership team they've got to sit there and do it you know there's some fantastic youth um, entrepreneurs innovators out there that are bouncing around some fantastic ideas but we're not tapping into them we're not it's, it's got to we've got to be saying why are you working on that? You know, why, why do you think there's something there? And come and talk to us. Now, again, we, you know, a lot of good people used to do that with their customers and suppliers. Bring them into the supply chain. What are you working? What are we working on? And how can we how can we get better outcome together? We've got a great, because of this connectivity, because of youth, but it doesn't have to be youth. We've got, you know, some very clever, mature people who are doing some good stuff. We're just not tapping into them. You know, we've just done an event, a robotics hub in Brisbane, 
And people walking out there going, I just didn't realize you could do that. Uh, okay, maybe you should come and visit me so that we can start to think that. And it's put them in, in the environment. So we're back to this point again, the business or the leadership group don't have to do everything. That is a good, this is a really good call, Kevin. So um, earlier this year, I was meeting with a guy um, who his whole job was matchmaking corporate people talking about stuff that could not be solved with a startup somewhere that wasn't just a concept startup, but a startup somewhere that was doing stuff. So like a you know $10 million minimum sort of level company. So it wasn't at scale, but it was happening somewhere in the world. So corporate A would say, this is impossible and I'm stuck forever. And he would actually do this sort of global search, find a company and bring these people in and say, these guys here. It was fascinating just um, challenging that because you know corporate A, they'd they, they'd convince themselves totally impossible. Here's a fledgling business over there. And really the resources that were needed to matchmake were sort of the, the little startup was already done all the hard yards, all the thinking, all the innovation development, the stuff that the big corporate thought they couldn't do had already been done. So it's sort of, it's, you know, I think we're in a, we're an interesting world. And that's part of that where I think networking and, and thinking outside your box, you just don't know what you don't know. That's the, that is a massive part, you know, of this whole conversation. One of the best areas I'm seeing this at the minute is around the sustainability and the closed loop. You know, how yep. can I use the resources? You've got some great innovators who are trying to come up with products and processes because they've got this real sustainability, planet reliability focus. They're saying, well, I know there's all these waste streams out there. What can I do with it? They're coming up with road services, with, you know, with full slims, with new products and everything else. But they're being held back at the minute because people aren't connecting with them and saying, oh, so that means you can use what I think is waste and rubbish. You can turn into a value. I've never even thought about it. Yeah, so you've, yeah. got, you've got entrepreneurs and innovators who are really struggling because they're, they're chasing a bag of plastic scrap from somewhere, but we've just not had the connection that says, you know what, I've got two ton of it every week. <laughs> and I, I just don't know what to do with it. So it's again about having that those insights the wisdom to go what can i really do and if we're it's sinking to my box again is not just the business box it's that wider box and say i don't really care what box i'm in what am i learning that i can i can make use of or i'm doing the right thing now because sometimes it's good to have that reality check to say do you know what what we're doing is right and i can pick it up sometimes it's about something new and that's where we, we i think we've really got to get those things done so still think we've got a lot of it it's just about how we refine it and take what we know works and but get it into this new way of work, a new way of leading. The hurdle to the end together, Eric, and I think it's a really important message that we're sort of talking about. The hurdle to get into the space that Kevin's talking about is not that big, especially with the way that we can connect on podcasts, connect into, into sort of group meetings with people nowadays, network with people nowadays. You know, you can actually, for a little tiny bit of time, you can actually find out about things that are happening in and around you that we just never have thought about before. I've um, purposefully been putting a little bit of time side most weeks just to, to dial into different different networks and different things you know like this that I wouldn't have done in the past and it, it, meeting by meeting it might not look like you're learning much but you look around a year later and you go wow I'm just I, I'm seeing so many things that I didn't used to see I always put networking with the sales thing that if you're a networker you're a salesperson and back to this idea of networking I, I've the fascination for me is that you meet people through the podcasting process and I suggest this to anyone that wants to do this it's you just have to set aside a bit of time there's nothing like getting someone to challenge your thinking and even if you go away and you don't necessarily agree at the time give your ego a risk for a few seconds you go oh shit they said something really important 
important. I wasn't thinking that way. And that as a way of professional development, and I've put a little bit of thought of this into this, is that networks and formal structures where you can go in and listen to a talk or be part of a conversation develops your professional outlook in a very significant way, even though you're not aware of it at the time. And and much like government policy making, you may not see the fruits of it until many months or years later. But when you think back, you go, oh, I remember this came to mind when Bernie said this or Kevin said that. You go, oh shit, it kind of stuck. It it finds a way to hardwire itself in, in, in your gray matter. So yeah, I happen to agree. I'm very much an advocate now for networks. Again, I claim no expertise in what good networking looks like, but I think I've been able to discover it through the best practice network in as much as the people that are willing to engage in there, I think are at the point where they want to be tested. I reckon there's two layers that are really good to call out with networks. Well, one is just the the insights and the aha moments and the intellect and all that piece that we just chatted about, the ideas. But yet the other bit is the, the social. So like, I think that actually seeing that Eric can do this, seeing that Kevin can do it as well, well, then I go, oh, maybe I can do it, right? And there's there's something because we're social creatures that that normalization of new of new ways of working and stuff like that is one of the massive benefits of doing like I know I do a lot of training with you know, full exec teams and just the normalizing things that people people can sort of uh, step into it a lot easier as a social group. Uh, you know, that's just some that's that's part of our deep deep inside of our instincts. So not only do we the intellectual learning bit, but seeing that others can do it gives me the confidence that I can do it. And then, you know, then I'm doing it. And then it's sort of, you know, it makes change just so much easier. Big fan of networking. I should be. <laughs> <laughs> it says of what we're doing. But I I think you're right. Cause I think it's it's that whole you know, you're trying to bring people together. You're trying to inspire them to think differently. Just take it on board and just, just as you say, Bernie, it is about just those insights about, wow, okay, I didn't realise. I mean, even for me, it's just, well, I just didn't realise how you did that. Because yeah. I've got this perception in my mind of, I thought that's how it happened. And then and even just how people got to their point and the journey. And why is that there when someone says, oh, that's there because of X, Y, Z. And you go, well, I didn't even think about that. That's even so yeah, yeah. obvious. I just didn't even think about that. But it is about that peer-to-peer is about we want to learn from people. There's that referral. There's that trust element to it. And, and we don't really want to be let to. We don't really want to be sold to, Eric. You know, that, that type of thing. Because we, we're not listening then. We're not listening take it. But I always say to my groups, there is the so what factor. Or what are your insights? Otherwise, it's a training course. We've all done them. Training course. We have a good week. or have a good couple of days. We have a nice fire, we have a nice certificate, and we, we fed well and had a few drinks. But what happens? It just goes on the you know, back on the shelf, and it's there's no the so what. So we've got to get into that data, information, knowledge, wisdom, insights type process. And we've got to be the future leaders, obviously. What am I seeing? You know, what am I hearing? What am I feeling here? You know, what can I now use to make everything a better place and more sustainable and and better for me and, and better for my team. So for me, that's the mindset thing that we've got to get on and then build in the right capability and the people behind that to maximize the value from it. Uh, one thing to add to that, and I think as part of our, uh, if we can make this an ongoing discussion, I think we've sort of scratched the surface of what the post the futures discussion around leadership, and I'd like to keep the conversation going. So as a, and this this is, you know, you learn from others. So uh, one takeaway uh, to end the podcast from each of you, I might start with you, Bernie. What's your, your takeaway here for someone listening in? Learning. 
I think that that's probably the, like when I reflect on the conversation we've had today, you know, there's it's been a long held belief, you know, long held sort of principle of actually leadership and learning are almost like a symbiotic relationship. And I think that particularly, particularly in this period of real flux that we're in, that if learning has gone down your priority ladder, bringing it back to the top of your priority ladder is a is a must heading into 2022. Kevin? I'm just optimistic. I just, the more I get around and now really work, I think we can do this. I really think we can do this at a, at a local, regional, state, and, and global level. We, we've just got to start to free up our mind here. We've got to start to, how can we just use what we know and, and obviously what works? So I'm more and more optimistic because what we've spoken about today, there are people already out there doing it. It's maybe not enough or we need, and it's how do we now help those leaders and those organizations to really start to build on that. So you, yes, you may see these organizations that are out there, but we've got to open our eyes and say, well, let's get into the why. What, why did they do it? What are they doing? And then the, how can I then use it ourselves? So Everything we've spoken about today, we need to start to be doing in a positive manner. And I think it's that, it's that real mindset. And a, a lead, we've got to go back to the leader there is to lead, lead others. But it has to start off with, if myself is not willing to do the right thing, I cannot expect others to do. So I'm, I'm optimistic because I'm out there and I'm seeing it. We've just got to get more people to be doing it. So we need to learn more and be eternally optimistic. Uh, Kevin, that's a fantastic way to end, <laughs> end the podcast. Look, for those listening, I've been speaking with Bernie Kelly and Kevin Bennett. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very much, Eric. Thank you, Eric. For those listening, this has been Talking Leadership. Thank you again, and I'll catch you all in the next podcast.